everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. In the not too distant future, next Sunday, AD, there was a guy named Joel, nothing different from you or me. He worked at Gizmonic Institute, just another face in a red jumpsuit. Did a good job cleaning up the place, but he's busting like a sword and shot him in the space. Ah, welcome to Everything Old is New Again. That might be a familiar theme, and uh, it was one that we took a look back, a little ways back, on Everything Old is New Again at the best TV theme songs of all time. We're going to do even better this week, but unfortunately my co-host David Cohen is unavailable. So what I've done is I've reached out to the Netherlands and I have found uh, a great co-host that is going to be out of this world replacing David Cohen. Uh, he's a gentleman who is the force behind science mystery I'm sorry, mystery science theater 3000, a groundbreaking movie riffing series uh, that has collected several Emmy nominations and a Peabody Award along the way. The show's been ranked in TV Guide's top 100 TV shows of all time. Now to tell us about uh, MST 3K Live, the great cheesy movie circus tour currently touring the country. We have the privilege of having the show's creator, star for the first five seasons. Joel Hodgson here is joining us on Everything Old is New Again. Joel, welcome. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's absolutely our pleasure. We uh, have been looking forward to having you on the show for quite some quite some time. We'll talk about it uh, uh, throughout the next hour here and uh, going to dive into a lot of different topics, the first of which is Mystery Science Theater 3000. If it's possible after 30 years for someone that's listening to our show which celebrates uh, the past and puts a flashlight on it to kind of look at the future and what's happening today. Uh, is it possible that someone doesn't know what this show is? If, it, if that's the case, maybe you could just start us off by telling us a smidge, uh, what do they say, the elevator pitch for Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah. Well, if I'm sitting next to somebody on a plane and they ask me what I do, I'll say I work on a show called Mystery Science Theater 3000. And if they don't recognize that, if it doesn't ring a bell, I'll take out my notebook, I have a blank notebook, and I'll draw a picture for them. And I'll draw a picture of a bad movie or a cheesy movie, and I'll draw a picture of little theater seats with three characters, uh, a guy with two robots, in silhouette, and when I draw that, they always know what I'm talking about because the the picture kind of precedes the name, and so that's it. And it's about um, these mad scientists are trying to find the worst movie in the world so they can take over the world, and they show them to this subject, this guy, and he has these robots that help him watch the movie, and so it's really what. It, it's our own creative art form uh, called movie riffing, and so uh, it's you know it shows a little over thirty years old now. So yeah, 
Yeah, there's been a movie and there's been uh, uh, quite a bit of, of uh, talk recently because the last two years there's been two episode two episodes two years of episodes on Netflix. So we'll we'll get into that in a few minutes. I just wanted to look at the beginning here. I've done a little bit of research and what does let's put it this way: what does Seinfeld, Elton John, and the Charlton Heston movie, The Omega Man, The Omega Man about those zombies? If you remember that, serve how does it serve as the foundation or the influence upon your creation of this show? If you could do that. Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's a bunch of things at play. Um, when you bring up Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld was uh, like a friend and a mentor to me. And I worked with him um, way back before Mystery Science Theater. And he invited me to write uh, on his first HBO special with him. And um, I had a really good experience uh, doing that. And I started thinking about other shows I could create for him. And I wrote uh, the pitch for a science fiction comedy that was going to star him. And I pitched it to him and he goes, this is fine, but this isn't a show for me. This is a show for you. And it really got me thinking, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I'm just a little bit uh, intimidated by the idea. Maybe I should think about making a show for myself. And that was kind of the beginning of, um, of Mystery Science Theater. And um, I had spent three years in, in L.A. as a stand-up. And I had a, a really nice little career. I worked, I uh, did four or five episodes on Letterman and four times on Saturday Night Live. And I was on the Young Comedian special. And um, I, I had a career as a club, you know, performing in clubs as well. Uh, I kind of got a little bit... Uh, disillusioned with that and stopped for a while. That's when I worked with Seinfeld and I decided if I was going to make a show, it would have to be a show that was really inexpensive to make because, you know, the more money a show costs, the more pressure that's on you, especially on comedy. It's really hard to talk people in, in a room into saying, oh, this is, here's a super funny idea and it'll make your money back. You know, I was never good at that. So I wanted to make the cheapest show possible. And um, I kind of got to this idea based on uh, Charles and Heston and the Omega Man. And it was called You Are Here. And it's based on that scene in the Omega Man where Charles and Heston is in the theater watching Woodstock. And so my idea was called You Are Here. It was about a guy during a zombie apocalypse who was in a TV studio and was watching movies with a robot companion. And after I got to that, I kind of thought, I don't know if I can make this funny consistently. This is over 30 years ago, and there wasn't any comedy uh, zombie stuff. There wasn't like Zombieland, and there wasn't Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that. So I changed it and altered the idea and uh, kind of made it based on a Douglas Trumbull movie called Silent Running, which had a guy in a spaceship with three, three robots. And so that's kind of how I got to that. And the last part you mentioned, Elton John, was um, I kind of got this idea when I was in high school, looking at the Elton John album cover and the song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, which has a movie and has theater seats and uh, two people in silhouette. And um, I saw that and I said, oh, that would make a really good TV show. So all those things kind of came together in Mystery Science Theater when I made the pilot, you know, 30 years ago. And that's uh, a, a day that will live in uh, infamy, we'll say, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was thanks, it was Thanksgiving. Uh, we, we premiered on Thanksgiving.
Thanksgiving Day, and Thanksgiving's always been a really big time for us because we usually do a Turkey Day marathon every year. So um, I think we're doing one this year on Pluto TV. Well, that'll be great so. because uh, we... we um you know, kind of overload a little bit on, on Thanksgiving, if you ask me, on, on the football, and there's a lot more to watch and do, and a show like that uh, just really makes makes everybody have a, you know, a bit of a smile on their face and something to talk about, and it, it encourages, I wonder, you know, with a group, I've seen it many, many times, but not with other people, but I presume when other people are watching this show and hearing your riffs, then they're going to start their little riffs on the side, and, and uh, it just starts conversation uh, snowballing through generations, and it's just a, a great family and fun show, that's for sure. Now, talking about the live tour, obviously you're going to be then, you're touring the country till March of 2020 all over the place, and we'll be announcing uh, quite a few of them because our affiliates are in, uh, stations are in a lot of these towns and cities. Um, are you going to be in the theater with the robot sitting, say, in the front row on the right side of the theater looking at, at, at a movie, or how is it, how does it go? What's going to happen? Oh, yeah, we replicate most of the show that you see on, you know, on TV. Um, everything's on stage, everything's live, the robots are there, I'm there, we run a movie, we riff on the movie, and we also do sketches, and uh, we do the theme song, we do every bit of the show. There's the doorway sequence, there's sketches, and the stuff in the Mystery Science Theater where we riff on the movie. And if you're curious, just go to mst3klive.com to look at our schedule, find a theater near you and come and see us. Yes, and speaking of that, some of them, uh, you know, some of the shows listed here, there's a ton. I'm just going to list a few. October 8th in Kansas City, which is KMA Land, 960 AM. October 11th and 12th in Boston, WCAP 980. We're over there, so those listeners, come on, get over there. Charlotte, North Carolina, next. October 20, I'm sorry, October 17th, WSIC. Uh, There are many more dates all over. It's a great, great opportunity to to get down and dirty and see this live. It's a lot of fun. We'll be back on Everything Old is New again right after this to continue talking all things Mystery Science Theater 3000 right after this. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Okay, what, what is happening now, Jay? Well, we're going to return to Everything Old is New Again with uh, uh, Doug and Dave. Oh, okay. I got nothing else better to do. Oh, there we go. Little little visit from uh, from Chuck and Bob from the 70s soap opera, if you will. Soap, I bring that up because we are here on Everything Old is New, New Again talking to Joel Hodgson, and, and Joel is the driving force behind Mystery Science Theater 3000, that show with the silhouette, if you will, of the couple of people or a person and two puppets, two, you know, the robots that they're puppets also. That's what brings me to the ventriloquism segue there. Uh, Joel, did you have any idea that when you were beginning your career you would end up sitting next to two puppets, if you will, or we'll say, you know, two robots for the for at least five years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny um, that you bring that up because um, so much of MST comes from ventriloquism. I started out doing ventriloquism uh, when I was in about seventh grade. And, um, you know, I... I I, I, it kind of was my way into show business. I liked building stuff, and I liked the idea of building puppets, so I built some ventriloquist dummies. And then uh, the idea of the ultimate ventriloquist to me was 
uh, when a ventriloquist would have two figures, one on each knee. And if you look at MSD, that's what's going on. It's a guy and a, a puppet on each side. That's kind of where the idea came from. And uh, it was always really amazing to me And when people could do that. Uh, for example, Jeff Dunham, who's one of the great ventriloquists alive right now, and does that. Um, and it's pretty amazing when you see it happen. So I always really loved that. I always really aspired to that as a kid. And so when I figured out how to make these robot puppets um, for the show, um, I strung them like a ventriloquist dummy. If you notice, they don't, the ones on the show don't work like the Muppets, which every other puppet in the world seems to be like a Muppet now. Right. And they're rigged and strung completely differently. They use a head stick like a ventriloquist dummy, and uh, their controls are all run up and down the head stick um, like a vent figure. The other thing that's funny about ventriloquism is I was always frustrated uh, with my vent figure because I couldn't afford the really nice uh, figures like, um, you know, there was a guy named Frank Marshall and he's the guy who carved Danny O'Day and Farfel and he even carved uh, Paul Winchell's figure, Jerry Mahoney. And I always thought that guy was the ultimate vent figure maker, but his vent figures were prohibitively expensive. And they're, they're collector's items now, obviously. And um, so I was always frustrated, and I, <clears throat> I kind of hit on this idea right around the same time as Mystery Science Theater, which was the idea of bringing someone up from the audience and putting a, a mask on them that you could control the mouth and do ventriloquists with a person from the audience. And... I licensed it to a really talented vent uh, named Ron Lucas, who went on to make it famous and did it for three standing presidents for command performances and did it all over network television. And this became like catnip to ventriloquists. Like there literally are thousands of ventriloquists doing this bit now. If you go on YouTube and put in talking human puppet or vent mask, You'll see people all over the world doing this bid. And I'm actually doing it tonight. Uh, you know, we're doing a show in Albany uh, tonight, and I'm I, in one of the shows we do, I present the vent mask. So those are my two ventriloquist stories. <laughs> and it's it's uh, something that we've uh, we dove into with Jay Johnson for an hour and a uh, little ways back and, and had a great time with, which is a fascination of me. Even uh, Don Knotts, believe it or not, back in the day was a ventriloquist. So, I mean, it's and to oh, this yeah. day, look at look at, you know, what is that? America's Got Talent, that young girl. She won. I mean, it's still alive and well. It's sort of uh, something that that people, I don't know, it's like a dirty secret or something. People don't talk about it, but they smile at oh, it and enjoy it. You know, hey, whenever a ventriloquist is in the finals for America's Got Talent, they bring out the vent jaw and put it on one of the judges. You can bet on it. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I'm glad you remember that. And Jay Johnson's a friend of mine. And I, I mean, man, I love uh, ventriloquist Terry Fader, yep. who's also one of the great ventriloquists right now, is using the vent jaw or the vent mask, as we call it. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those... Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Also, I wanted to mention that um, I just got interviewed. They're doing a Willie Tyler and Lester mm -hmm. documentary called Hello, Dummy. 
And I, when I was in Brooklyn, uh, they, they interviewed me there for that. And I was really honored to do that because when I was growing up, Willie Tyler and Lester were like, and still are in a way, he's really one of the great ventriloquists alive. And and, uh, and that's got to be, you know, a privilege to be asked all these years later to, to look back on one of your, if you want to say, heroes, you know, uh, and comment on it. That's great. Um, yeah. Now, listen, with respect to uh, what you do and the creation that you've created, this, this movie riffing, uh, we've tried to do that on our show back in show 119, if you want to go, or anybody listening, go to everythingoldisnewagain.biz and it'll take you, just right, look for show 119, you'll hear us uh, doing a little riffing on Plan 9 from Out of Space, but I should say yes it's a planet no plan knife from outer space but we um we did it okay but we we have to realize and it is a science it is serious business it's not easy to do and so just a little bit of that is there any way you can just peel the onion a little bit it sounds like and probably is a great compliment when people say uh wow you guys just riff off the top of your head it's it's like an improv it's terrific but i bet you there's a lot of preparation that goes behind the scenes to do what you do while you're watching these movies oh yeah i mean you know um yeah, we, like, for example, with the movies we're going out with now, uh, we're doing one called Circus of Horrors, and we're doing one called No Retreat, No Surrender. In each one of those, we write 7,000 riffs and, and end up with 700. So we, get, we take one in 10 um, ideas. So, yeah, there's a, and that takes the stress off, you know. I mean, we... Uh, I think stress is kind of the enemy of comedy. So if you can take the stress off, you tend to be funnier. And right. so by doing a lot, you don't have to worry as much and go, oh, I need something really funny and I need it right now. <laughs> right. And it doesn't doesn't really work that way. So that's kind of the secret to what we do. And, um, and also, too, I mean, as you probably enca- encountered, you can all kind of run into each other if you're just kind of talking and, and kind of talking over each other and and there's a lot going on so we actually kind of have to pick our parts and on stage it changes every night because the audience reacts differently every night so you have to be ready to edit your riff because the movie doesn't change its time but if the audience is really laughing which is what you want it could get in the way of the setup for your joke so you just learn to edit stuff out and bring it around and put it back in another place downstream. But um, that's a big part of what we do is uh, it's not improvised. It's improvised when we write it, but we have to kind of decide who's who's going to talk when, and then you kind of have that. It's like, I, I assume it's a little bit like a, a, a jazz musician who everyone agrees that's his part, but you don't know exactly what he's going to play, you know? Right, and it's, uh, it's something that... that- I think it's probably a great compliment when people think that you're just doing it off the top of your head. But on I the, think uh, so, yeah. I think so. But they also think it must be so easy. Like, what do you what do? you do? And so they don't understand the depth of it until they try it, you know, and then they try and they go, oh, okay. Right, there's that's, something to that, yeah. 
That's exactly what I was going to say, because when we tried it, yeah, we had some fun with it and all that, and we weren't uh, the experts at it and all that, but you could tell that it wasn't what you were doing, and you could tell, and it, that's the thing. A lot of times with radio, with performing, with uh, you know, with this show that you're, you're performing live, uh, like you say, it is easy because people, oh, they're just talking. Well, yeah, yeah, what, what are they saying, and where'd they get that from? And think about what you just said. 7,000 quips that you come up with for an hour and a half movie, basically, and whittle wow. that down to 700. That's still 700. That's um, two. That's one every 30 seconds, approximately, I'm going to guess. Uh, so, you know, that's not easy, and that has to be planned out, like you say. Listen, the live tour is going to be in Des Moines, Iowa, October 30th, KMA and KXEL, serving those areas, our affiliates. How about November 12th? Toledo, Ohio, the Valentine Theater, WFIN listeners. Come on, get over there. And Springfield, Ohio, November 14th, the Clark Performing Center, WFIN again. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be speaking with Joel Hodgson. and we're going to be uh, continuing talking about MST3KLive.com. That's where you go to get the tickets. And when you get the tickets, you also get a tote bag. You get some some novelties depending upon uh, what the location is and, and what, uh, what level of, of ticket you're purchase but you're going to get some collectibles there as well so we'll be back right after this and everything old is new again after you take the time to get on the computer and go to mst3klive.com look up where this performance is going to be in your town it's definitely going to be in the town it's it's all over the place uh, and somewhere close and if it's not close it's worth the drive we'll be back right after this on everything old is new again Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, continuing our discussion here with Mystery Science Theater 3000's Jo- it's hard to say. Joel Hodgkin. And Joel, I always pronounce your name. I think I'm making a lot of mistakes. There's a D and a G there that's messing me up. How do you pronounce the name properly? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, I couldn't tell you. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, I, it's a soft G, Hodgson, okay. if you're really... But the, the, only because you asked. I really don't care. I, uh, I don't like people who really get fussy about their names. I don't want to be one of those people, but it's Hodgson. But if you if I was talking over the phone to you and you were writing it down, I'd say Hodgson. Right. So you'd catch that it's H O D G S O N. I can't but tell you. I, rea- uh, I, I don't care. I really don't care. I can't tell you how many times you were on um, with Seinfeld, that show that's on Netflix, uh, is comedians in the car getting coffee, and I was just <laughs> last night flipping that. Where I watched the whole thing, of course, and enjoyed it for sure, and I would recommend oh, that. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You guys riffing about uh, just little things like Seinfeld does, and you do so great. Is you know oh. you were talking about the uh, ketchup bottle and having the top uh, on the bottom of the bottle and and all of this. It was just a great riff. But my point oh. being is I. Was was just listening over and over and over again to get your name right and i i i just maybe it's the new yorker in me i I couldn't i just couldn't get that dg but i'll do my best it's tough man and i don't really like i really am not gonna bust you on that well as long as you call me something relatively close to viviani as opposed to cohen my co-host you know uh, i think viviani would be uh, a fun 
fun and easy name to it. It's kind of bright and fun. Viviani. Right. And it yeah. means full of life, roughly speaking. How do you like yeah, that? Yeah, so. it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> now, along those lines, the New York Times, the New York Times gave a review of your show saying 30 years later that ingenious movie spoof is still going strong, or B-movie spoof, I think they actually said. And, uh-huh. um, you know, speaking of ingenious, it's it's curious to me that not only are you or in the performance of that show do you do the riffs about the movies but you also have skits and you have this time there in between before commercial breaks uh, uh, where you leave the movie and, and, and do a little something creative with uh, maybe creating an invention or something of that nature and you know the question then is does some of that I think the answer might be yes lend itself to the live show as well where you have some breaks in between oh, where you yeah. get up on stage or something Oh, yeah, people really expect that. We've always done that in our live tour. I mean, the the pacing and the way it's laid out is almost identical to the show, where you're kind of ping-ponging between us riffing on a movie and then it's us kind of reacting to the movie in, in a deeper way with, um, with, like, the sketches and stuff. So that's kind of it. it. There's all these different layers of the way we're examining the movie, and when we do sketches, it's chances for us to kind of, it's just whether we're taking a moment from the movie that it seems especially weird and ruminating on it, or we're working with a prop from the movie. It's just a, it's just a different way to kind of dig in and, and look at it in different ways. So this has always been a part of our show over 30 years since the very beginning. The sketches have been built into it. And, you know, I know your audience loves nostalgia, and, you know, I don't know if people remember, but back when I was a kid, there was an amazing show called um, the uh, it was uh, the Children's Film Festival with uh, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie sure. on CBS. And that was a really big influence on me because they would watch the movie with you. They would give, they would do host segments and, and kind of talk about what was going on in the movie, and then they'd go to the movie. And if you look, MST is very similar to that, other than during the movie, we're in there and talking during the whole time. So uh, that was a really big influence on me when I was a kid. See, we spoke about that on one of our shows, too, in the past. And um, uh, Jeff Stein from uh, KXEL in, in Des Moines, Iowa, and Iowa generally, um, did a book about this character Flappy, which was, again, one of these children's hosts, but in between cartoons or movies. And I think it's sort of a lost art and you really kind of brought it back with a flair and sort of what we'd like to see and celebrate on our show is yeah it's something that everything today any kind of artistic endeavor is based upon something in the past but your show certainly uh you know involved itself with movies from the past and that that is what it is but you improved upon that improved upon the riffing and created something brand new from the foundation of the past of these you know the movies themselves and of Kukla Fran and Ali and the, the different shows you're talking about um so I I I guess you'd say hats off to you at that point from everything old is new again because that's really something that we celebrate and it's really a perfect topic here on the show for we're talking about mystery science theater 3000 along those lines well first i guess we should maybe i should ask you do you agree with that is it something you know with respect to our oh, theme yeah yeah like if you look at mystery science theater every bit of it is made from something else the robots are made out of 
pieces of Tupperware. And uh, if you look at Crow's face, he's made out of a bowling pin and a soap dish and a lacrosse mask. And Tom Servo's made out of gumball machine and a and a salad bowl. <laughs> so, and even the spaceship is covered with is made out of things. If you look really closely, there's a set of hungry, hungry hippos, and it's all constructed out of stuff. But then the movies themselves are movies that are kind of these forgotten movies. They're kind of orphan movies that people it's likely have never seen before. There's movies with zero marquee value, basically. And we find these movies, they're adorable, um, amazing movies that you'd probably watch ironically because they're not you know, good movies, but I still think they're charming and really fun to watch. And so we watch those movies and we and we riff and add about 700 jokes to uh, a feature-length film. We have 20 of these new shows that we we brought back. We did a Kickstarter four years ago, and it, and it was the largest Kickstarter in history. We raised $6 million to make new episodes on Netflix, and then we got a second season. And all 20 of those episodes are 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So... In our case, everything old is new again because we brought the show back and it's just as popular as it ever was. And it, that's just so great to hear. And, and, and just a little more specifics, maybe subconsciously, maybe not, I'm going to ask you, have you ever seen, before you created this work of art, the movie Kentucky Fried Movie and or Woody Allen's What's Up Tiger Lily and or <laughs> Steve Martin's Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid? And I mentioned all those only in that, in their own way, they played with existing movies as well, or at least the last two did. Kentucky Fried Movie just kind of oh, lampooned them all, you know? Absolutely. I mean, um, I think Rocky Horror Picture Show fits in there, too. Mm -hmm. All those movies I love, and um, they all... Uh, well, well, let's think about this. So, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid um, um, was a little different, in, but I guess you're right. They used footage and kind of collaged it with what Steve Martin was doing. So, you're right about that. What's Up, Tiger Lily was profoundly uh, amazing to me and probably the biggest impact um, which is just simply uh, Woody Allen took a movie and re redubbed it from top to bottom right. and, pu and put a completely new con created a completely new derivative work from it uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show was a stage play that they made a movie out of but then had all this audience interaction with it and that was a big influence on me too so, um, so yeah, I mean, those things, and, and also, too, in music, um, there was stuff going on that was really interesting, like in the George Harrison song, Cracker Box Palace, there's a moment where he references Blazing Saddles, and he does the Madeline, Car uh, Madeline Kahn line, he, he goes, it's true, it's true. <laughs> and so when I hear that, I go, oh, what's better than that? George Harrison knows about Mel Brooks. Right. I go, I can't imagine it. And so that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to kind of paint with those kind of jokes. And and so I just getting to create my own art form made, made it so I could do it kind of the way I saw it, which was already out there. If you think, like all the references you're talking about, were already out there and they were doing things like um, 
They were doing things like doing these, they were running these ironic movies in art house cinema. Like when I was in college, they had Plan 9 from Outer Space playing at the art house cinema and Robot Monsters. So it was in the air. And uh, another big influence was um, the Turkey Awards, which was this book the Medved Brothers wrote, which was like the Academy Awards. But they gave it to the worst movies ever made. And that's where I found out about Plan 9 from Outer Space and Robot Monster and Bride of the Monster and Ed Wood and all the stuff that was coming, they kind of saw um, in a really unique way. So I remember sitting in college looking at this book going, why isn't anybody making a TV show with these amazing movies? And that's what kind of spawned MST. And that's, you know, I'll tell you, sometimes the simple idea that is the idea that takes off. MST3, the letter 3, klive.com. And uh, you got to get there to get some tickets for Wichita, Kansas, Memphis, Tennessee, Seattle, Oregon, all our silly affiliates uh, there. Uh, let's um, come on back right after this and continue talking with Joe Hudson. Uh, this is uh, Everything Old is New Again. Right after this. Everything Old is New Again. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. There we go. Here on Everything Old is New Again. Join us. We're talking with Joe Hodson, and we're talking with him about his creation, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Of course, the show that watches bad movies on your TV. You've seen the silhouette of the guy watching uh, TV with two robots making funny, funny comments. Funnier comments than we do or did when we were watching this show or any uh, old movies back in the day in college and thinking we were uh, so witty. But uh, this show translates to a lot of fun and a lot of quips and it's so far, I believe, around 217 shows that you can get uh, in the past from past shows from either YouTube, Netflix, Pluto TV, Voodoo.com, Amazon Instant Video, or do what I'm going to do is go to ShoutFactoryTV.com. ShoutFactoryTV.com. And uh, they've got, I believe, most of these on the DVDs, at least the first 10 years, I'm going to say. I'm not sure if the Netflix shows are on DVD yet. Joel, any idea? I think the first season from Netflix, season 11, is out. But I'm not sure about 12 yet. Okay. I mean, I, I just go for the DVDs, and then I've got young kids, and I have a seven-year-old just maybe starting. It's a little early yet. So I want to hold on to these, and uh, if they get, they get lost in the ether, ether out there, the the internet world, I've got uh, you know the the DVDs handy to, to put in, because I really want to enjoy these with him. I think it's great family entertainment. And I've, I've heard people say that they enjoyed it when they were a kid, and then, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years later, they revisited and heard a whole slew of other jokes that they didn't get as a kid because there's certainly uh, double entendre and references uh, to other movies and other pop culture that you're not going to always get as a kid, right? Yeah, well, that's been my experience. It was funny. Uh, I watched it with my kids when they got old enough, and it was funny. They couldn't get to it when they were my episodes, but they really got into it when Mike was the host. <laughs> and so we would watch those, and I had that experience with my kids where when you're watching the show there's so many jokes but some of the jokes you get 
some of the jokes your kid gets and some of the jokes you both get. And when that happens, it's pretty amazing. I have to say, like, it happened to me where we were both laughing at the same thing. And that's pretty rare, I guess, as a parent, you realize, you know, because most stuff is marketed either to kids or adults, and there's a few things that cross over. So if you like, uh, if you're looking for smart, funny family entertainment, it kind of does that. It really does, and it reminds me back in the day, and we've done a show about this too in the past, of, of the Saturday afternoon when there was only, and I lived a group in New York, so it's, it's relative across the country, I'm not sure, but for us, there were the three stations and two syndicated stations, and that was it, and the two syndicated stations had um, one or two of them on a Saturday afternoon would have an, a, a movie that was similar to what you're doing. You would have the Godzilla or the Mothra or the, the Hercules movie or the movie about the robots and the outer space. I know, I know what that that show is million dollar movie right exactly i had a lot of friends from new york they'd all say did you see million dollar movie and i said no but they all like it sounded amazing isn't that wouldn't they just run it over and over they would and then they would also they would bleed into a different channel at night into what was called chiller theater if it was like a horror kind all of right. movie and they did, and so that was another one that, uh, and it seemed, I did some research, it seems like that Chiller Theater kind of was syndicated in some ways throughout the nation, different people, oh, with different hosts. sure, sure. We had, in Duluth, Minnesota, they had Chiller Theater. When I was growing up in Green Bay, there was a bunch of shows. There was one called Erie Street, which was hosted by a vampire named Alexander. <laughs> there was a show called TJ and the Ant, which meant television disc jockey and the all-night theater, so he was kind of like Jerry Todd from SCTV. He stayed up all night and ran movies and TV <laughs> shows. And even in Milwaukee, uh, there were shows uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. So I grew up in the Midwest, so right. we were alert to all those shows. And, and um, yeah, when I started Mystery Science Theater, I really used those local shows as a model because I felt like the way the show would get going would have to be locally. They'd have to be inexpensive content. I, I knew about public domain films, like, for example, Robot Monster was in the public domain, and Plan 9 from Outer Space was in the public domain, and I, that's how I kind of constructed the show, is that I knew it had to be really inexpensive, like that early content, like Chiller Theater, you know? So it all kind of sprung from that, watching those local... It, it came from local TV, because local TV was like an invitation back then, like, in Green Bay, you drive through town and you'd see WFRB and WLUK and you'd see all the local TV stations and you knew that you could go in there and like, you know, I worked on telethons and stuff like that to get, get in the business and learn about how TV works. So. It's really an amazing thing. Local TV is an amazing, great thing. And and it also, in some ways, the timing was perfect in that uh, due to the fact that you had a limited budget, you didn't and couldn't spoof, I'm going to make it up, you know, Rocky or, or, you know, some movie that is, you know, I don't want to say quality, but, you know, a more entertaining, I don't know, movie on its own. Uh, You had the privilege, but you had the idea that you could dive into a movie that had some flaws that would give you the opportunity to make a comment about seeing this string or or some dialogue that made no sense or or the direction where all of a sudden it looked like we were in a second different movie or, you know different things yeah. like that you know yeah. and so that's yeah, really true so, so sometimes the the lack of funds and the lack of, of ability to do everything you want i guess lends itself to creativity which leads me to a question about creativity so i've heard you say 
that when you're trying to be creative, but we try to be creative too. And so I kind of relate to that, but maybe for everyone that's listening, because I think whether it's community theater, whether it's in, in, in I don't know, in, in a band, whatever it might be that you're writing a short story, you know, many people have that creative gene and stifle it. Many people want to be an entrepreneur or do something and follow that and stifle it because it's it is no clear path how to get there. Look what you did, the way your path you know was from local TV and forward and then back to a Kickstarter campaign. What I'm leading up to is two things. Number one, you said in the past, pretty sure you said that when you're trying to be creative, if you are in a room with someone that says no, either leave the room or have that person leave the room. Maybe you can help us uh, explain that first a little bit. Oh, yeah, there's there's a, uh, a thing to be alert to. I mean, uh, when you're trying to be creative, it always makes it easier if you're with other people. By yourself is really hard, and so it's great. We're always really lucky to have really uh, creative people to collaborate on the show uh, all throughout the life of the show. And so when you're in a room and you're creating, you the thing I, w- I think what you're referring to is the idea that you create and do that separately than editing. And editing is kind of saying, that's a good idea, that's a bad idea. And so the point being is when you're creating, you just are generating as many ideas as possible, good and bad, because in the moment you can't really tell. And then you make a time to go later and evaluate the work, and you can then edit and kind of go, what's the best one? But you don't do them at the same time because um, it's likely to make someone kind of feel bad and kind of go, oh, I just pitched an idea and I guess you don't think it's funny. And so that's the thing to be alert to. Right, you start to clam up then because if you're not with somebody that, you know, you're riffing with or just laughing with or having fun with, if you're sort of with a down person in that group, even if you've got a group of 10 people, if you've seen this at a party or or at a car trip, whatever, you've got that one person that's dour and down, everybody else could be having a great time getting into that car for the road trip, but I guarantee you a half hour in, you're all going to be down as opposed to the one guy being up, if that makes sense. Yeah, and also people like that tend to try to preside and go, well, I'll be the one evaluating the material, <laughs> right. and you just kind of go, mm, yeah, you got to go. And so um, that's the thing that I was kind of talking about, and and it and we're really lucky because we when we started, we just set up some simple rules about the writing room, which meant we never evaluated the work while we were writing. We just made as much as possible. And then later people edit it. Later right. people like kind of make make those decisions, but you you avoid doing it in the room. Now we do a few things in the live show where we create things really quickly based on some stuff. And in that case, we have a person who is evaluating in the room with the group, but it's a trust thing, and we kind of acknowledge that it's not ideal, but it's about speed, and so. I, that's one of the situations where I, I always usually, if I'm running those rooms, I always apologize and I go, I'm really sorry, we have to do this in a hurry, so I'm going to make some decisions, but I hope you guys feel okay about it. But it's only after, you know, with our cast, we've done a lot of creative work together and we all trust each other. So right. 
Some, sometimes you can do it, but I, I'm just cautioning you that there's these people that are lurking out there that don't know it, but they just take this position like, I'm going to evaluate the work. That's my job. Right. Meanwhile, and what do they are, add to the pie, too? You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those are the people you want to kick out of the room as soon as you can. There you go. And get we're them out. Uh, exactly. Kick them out of the room and run to the computer yeah. and get to MST3 with a number three. MST3K live.com. MST3KLive.com. Get your tickets for uh, this tremendous show. And I believe it's going to be the last time that you're doing a live show. So take a look at the website. Find it where you are. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Joel Hudson, thank you very much for spending some time with everybody. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you, Douglas. And I wanted to correct you. It's, uh, it's my last tour, but the show's the tour is going to keep going. We've refreshed Mystery Science Theater with all new casts and all new writers. And the whole idea for me was to bring it all back and reinvigorate it and get it moving again so people could see my vision that the show, I feel the show should keep rolling. So it's just the beginning for, it's 30 years old, it's just the beginning. Excellent. It. it sounds like great news and uh, we'll look forward to, to more shows, more exploration of fun uh, with you, with uh, the, whoever's going to be performing Mystery Science Theater Live, MST3, the number 3K, live.com. We'll be back next week to talk all things pop culture with everything old's new again. Uh-huh.